You enjoying the summer? Yes. Yeah, do you like the weather? Yes. Amen. We'll keep praying and maybe God will extend the summer into the autumn. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting when we have our uh, time of uh, carnival, hundreds of thousands of people coming past this church. It's so wonderful to be able to have that type of interface with people, with our evangelistic teams and everything. So uh, we're looking uh, forward to that. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 9 and verse 1. John chapter 9 and verse 1. I'm going to be speaking today about 2020 spiritual sight. I want to speak about spiritual sight today and its importance in our daily lives. And uh, we'll start by looking at this incredible miracle that Jesus did in John chapter 9, where a man born blind, never seen the light of day all his life, Jesus healed him and gave him physical sight. But also as we read this passage together, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't only give this man physical sight, but he also gave to him spiritual sight. And as this account goes on, you'll see that the man's sight is regained by a miracle instantly, but his spiritual sight grows clearer and clearer and clearer until he has 20-20 vision and sees exactly who Jesus is. And while he was getting clearer in his physical and spiritual sight, you see that there were those around them that actually had, although they had physical sight, they didn't have spiritual sight at all. They thought they could see spiritually, but they were blind. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Physical sight and compare it with spiritual sight. So, John chapter 9 and verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbours and those who had previously seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, 
This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he'd been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked, him, asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is marvelous thing, that you don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and those that see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. So this incredible passage here in John chapter 9, where we see that Jesus is dealing with two things, physical blindness and spiritual blindness. All truth is parallel, somebody once said, and there's a lot of truth in that. As we go through this account and look at some of the other scriptures, we will see that spiritual blindness and spiritual sight is essential for our understanding. Number one, to become a Christian, 
And also, in our daily lives as Christians, we need to make sure that our spiritual sight is clear, is 2020. That's what we're looking at today. It's great to have, joining with us just a few minutes ago, our Coronet congregation just over the road. Wonderful to have you with us. We're looking at spiritual sight 2020 today. In this passage, it's incredible because it begins with this blind man. And note, he's not just a man who became blind, but the importance of this miracle was that this man was born blind. The disciples went to Jesus and they weren't that interested in his condition. They were too busy theologically thinking about it and said, well, which one sinned? Was he the one that sinned, that he was born blind? Or did his parents sin? How did this all happen? And Jesus, he was not focusing on the negative. See, the disciples were focusing on the negative, but Jesus knows that wherever there's a negative circumstance, there's a possibility for God to turn it around. And Jesus said, forget it. It's not about him sinning or his mother sinning or his father sinning, but this is about the glory of God that's going to be revealed. And so when the blind man came to Jesus, it's interesting that when he formed this miracle, he spat on clay and put it on his eyes. It's a a, a reminder of Genesis chapter 1 because this was a creative miracle. In Genesis 1, when God created man, he took clay and he breathed into it. And this man obviously needed new eyes, new sight he'd never been able to see. And Jesus prophetically put this clay on his eyes and then sent him to a pool in Siloam, which was quite a distance and very deep. It was like a very deep well. When the man came there, he washed his eyes and for the first time he could see. Imagine that. Imagine, for the first time, he could see. I mean, it's terrible enough for somebody to lose their sight that they once had. But at least in losing their sight, they had it once. In other words, although blind, they could still in their memory remember what they had seen in their life before that. They could remember the sight of a flower, they could remember the sight of a human being, and although no longer able to see, they would say, ah yes, I remember, yes, I know what you're talking about. But this man was born totally blind. I mean, he had never seen anything, any time, ever. You couldn't describe a colour to him, he'd never seen a colour. You couldn't describe a scene to him, or a flower, or a tree. He, he had no reference to understand these things. He couldn't say, oh yeah, I remember i seen one of those before I lost my sight. He had never seen. I was wondering what his dreams would be like. How could you dream of things that you've never seen? You hear what I'm saying? His dreams must have been empty dreams, or dreams of feeling sensations. He could still feel, or audible things he could still hear or maybe smell but his dream life must have been devoid of imagery here was a man that had never ever seen and what a great creative miracle that took place but I've already said there is something parallel going on during this miracle and as great as that miracle was of him receiving his physical sight 
the greater miracle was taking place as God also gave this man spiritual sight for the first time. Here is a man that was born blind in two ways. He was born blind physically, but he was also born blind spiritually. In one miraculous moment as he washed his eyes, his sight, his physical sight was given to him for the first time. But then during this passage, we notice that his spiritual sight was restored to him in a number of stages. It wasn't instantly. We see that when he was healed, he didn't know much about Jesus. He didn't see at that moment that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. But he began to see that Jesus was special. When he was interrogated and they said, who is this man? He says, well, I don't really know, but I know he's got power from God. And later on he said, well, you're asking me who he is. I mean, I can see that he is a prophet. And then finally we see this incredible insight spiritually, don't we? Jesus says, I am the Messiah. And he sees spiritually that this is the case. And what does he do? He bows down and worships Jesus. What incredible spiritual sight. Alongside this, we see the religious folk, the Pharisees, those that were meant to see spiritually, those that were schooled in the scriptures and were meant to lead people and show them the way of God. And throughout this, we see that their blindness thickens, doesn't it? Their darkness thickens. They say, give God to glory. We know this man is a sinner. Ah, that's what you've seen, have you? He did this on the Sabbath. And and at the end, they say to Jesus, you saying that we can't see? And Jesus says, it's because you think you can see that your problem is. Was Jesus speaking about physical sight there? No, he was speaking about spiritual sight. Incredible that when he received his physical sight, what must have it been like? It must have been like entering into a totally new world. I mean, never seen anything. And as he comes out of that dark well, he begins to see things, features, colors, that all his life were denied him. I mean, he must have just been in a, this is just a whole world that's open to him physically. Yet also spiritually, a new world of sight was being given to him. And now he saw things about Jesus that nobody else saw. Do you know what? This man had better spiritual sight than Jesus' disciples. I mean, even when Jesus was raised from the dead, many of his disciples didn't believe. I mean, where were the disciples in their spiritual sight of seeing what was happening when Jesus was betrayed? They thought, and they looked at it, and they saw the situation, and they said it's all over and ran for cover, didn't they? I mean, even Thomas, after Jesus had been seen raised from the dead, Thomas said, I won't believe until I physically see him and physically touch him. Jesus appears to Thomas, and Thomas touches Jesus, and then at that moment, Thomas's spiritual sight comes to him, and he says, my Lord and my God, and like this blind man did uh, a lot earlier before him, like the blind man, Thomas worships him, and Thomas says, well, blessed are you because you physically see me. But he says, but more blessed are those that believe and don't physically see me. In other words, those that see Christ by faith. Now, Thomas had to feel the resurrected Christ before he saw it. 
But this man, before the disciples had seen it, saw 2020 clear vision who Jesus was and worshipped him. I mean, around it, there must have been a lot. I mean, the disciples would have been embarrassed. He's worshipping Jesus, who's not even died and rose again. I think Peter and Thomas must have been thinking, isn't Jesus going to stop this? This is, this is idolatrous. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Why, are they, why is this man worshipping? Doesn't he see that this is blasphemy? But Jesus allowed it. Why? Because the man saw clearly who Jesus was. Now, this understanding of spiritual sight and spiritual blindness is essential for our understanding of the gospel and the Christian life. John chapter 3, just a few pages back in verse 19. We see that Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a very clever man. He was a teacher of the Jews. He was schooled in Scripture. If anybody could see what God was doing, Nicodemus should. But here in John 3, verse 3, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's a profound statement. In other words, until a miracle of spiritual sight is done in your life, you are as blind spiritually as this man was naturally. Nicodemus, unless you are born from above, unless you are born again, you cannot see the things of God. It is darkness to you. You are blind to these things. But if by faith you believe, then what will happen is a spiritual miracle will take place in your life. You will see things you've not seen before. How many believers have we got in the house today? Do you remember? Do you remember the old days before you could see? Do you remember when you went to the Bible and it meant nothing to you? Because you just couldn't see it. When someone told you about the gospel or you went to church and you were bored and the preacher was preaching but it was just going all over because you just couldn't see it. It wasn't for you. You were blinded to what was being shown you and what was being uh, portrayed before you. Why? Because you were spiritually blind. And God had to do a miracle of grace by his spirit and cause you, your spiritual eyes, if I can put it that way, to pop open. And then you begin to see things differently. Do you remember when you came to Christ? Not necessarily the moment when you gave your life to the Lord, but the journey where your mind begin to change, where you begin to see things in a different light. What was happening? God had switched on the lights in your soul, and you were beginning to see. No man or woman can be saved without first being born again and receiving spiritual sight. It's impossible. Jesus would later on in chapter uh, John chapter 3 and verse... 19, say this, well, let's, well actually, let's, let's read from verse 16, John 3.16, the most famous scripture in the New Testament, but let's see the context of light and darkness. 
John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and they have be, that they have been done in God. And so here, in this offer of the gospel, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God and raised from the dead will be saved, is put in a picture of sight and blindness, light and darkness. We see that the people that have not yet received spiritual sight They're not looking for the light, they love the darkness. In fact, when the light shines, they run to the darkness. So it's not only that people are spiritually blind before they come to Christ, but they're living in darkness and they like it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 adds something to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, well, let's read verse 3. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians 4, 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this world has blinded, and who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in this passage, we find that it's not only that Human beings, since the fall, have been born spiritually blind. That man in John 9 was born physically blind. Every human being that's ever lived, except Christ himself, was born spiritually blind. But it's not just that we were born defective, without spiritual eyes, if I can put it that way. But here in this passage, verse 4, we see that there's a satanic work going on in the world. That Satan is seeking to bring blindness and keep people blind. What, physically blind? No, spiritually blind. To put a veil over their spiritual eyes so that they don't see the truth of God in the scriptures. A blinding work of the enemy. That's Satan's strategy. Not only is he seeking a spirit of blindness to remain on all that are in the world, but even those that have received their sight, Christian believers, satanic forces seek to bring partial blindness back into our lives. 
He can never totally blind a believer again, but he can have such levels of spiritual blindness that a believer can be almost be living like a non-believer. You ever seen that happen? A believer living like a non-believer, he's, he's out, they can just about see enough to be saved, but they are so spiritually blinded. The rest of God's will and word for them has, is away from them. Let me continue with this theme of blindness. I want to get it in your spirit. Physical blindness, spiritual blindness, the parallels between the two. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. Paul the Apostle, an incredible figure, because Paul was so blind, spiritually speaking. I mean, you didn't get much more spiritually blind than Saul of Tarsus. But on that miracle on his way to Damascus, when God met him, he received spiritual sight, didn't he? And Paul was so blind before that. I mean, he was a persecutor of Christ. I mean, the way he saw it was that Christ was a false messiah. The Christians were deluded and dangerous. And that the way he saw it, he was doing God's will by persecuting and destroying the the church. That's how spiritually blind he was. But then when Christ turned him around, as we will see by his own words, he speaks in, in terms of blindness and sight. And isn't it incredible that Paul became one of the most spiritually, or Paul was gifted with the gift of such clear spiritual sight that even some of his writings are in Scripture today. I mean, he saw it so clearly by the power of the Holy Spirit that he could write the the epistles in, in the New Testament and they were perfect. I mean, he had revelations from heaven. God had to allow a a, a thorn to be in his flesh because he had seen so much spiritually, correct? What a transformation of a man so spiritually blind to a man so spiritually with 20-20 vision. Okay, from verse, Acts 25, let's go from um, verse 12, Paul speaking to Agrippa. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you both a minister and witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things of which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To do what? Listen to this. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance uh, among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And we also know, don't we, that at that moment when God knocked him off his horse, when he'd heard this, you see, at that moment that Paul got converted, what happened? 
He received spiritual sight and he received physical blindness. Correct? Do you remember? Three days and three nights. He didn't drink, he didn't eat, and it wasn't until he came into Damascus and hands were laid upon him. Remember? He received his physical sight. So that's interesting. There's a man who, when he got his spiritual sight, he lost his physical sight. And I think that, you know, I think that was a blessing for Paul. Because he didn't need his physical sight for those three days. And I can imagine that with his spiritual eyes now opened, seeing who Jesus really was, that during those three days and those three nights, I could see, I could see that in his mind, in his heart, he was going through the scriptures that he knew, that he'd learnt. And as he was going through them, he was seeing Christ in Genesis, Deuteronomy. In, in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, he's thinking and he's going, Jesus, you're there. I see you, I see you, I see you. And then as he goes through the prophets in his mind, he begins to see Christ in Isaiah, Christ in Jeremiah, Christ the third man in Daniel, in the fire. And he says, I see you. And then when he goes to the writings and the Psalms and the Proverbs, he's physically blind, but the scriptures have been opened to him and he can see Christ. Oh, what a wonderful thing to have spiritual sight, but how wonderful also to use it. How terrible when a Christian receives such spiritual sight and then wants to go and live in a dark spiritual room with those that cannot see. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, a prophecy. A people sitting in darkness have seen a great light. A people sitting in darkness, a nation sitting in darkness. What are they doing? They're in darkness and they're sitting. Why are they sitting? Because when you're in thick darkness, you can't move. Because if you do, you'll stumble. I mean, it's very hard to be, get in a really dark place, physically speaking, in London. Why? Because there's lights all around. There's background light. I mean, you go out in the middle of the night, the lamps are still on. But if you really want to know what thick darkness is, you've got to go to a place, a nation, which doesn't have lights, or, or, go, or live in a city where sometimes you have power cuts, and have no candles, and, and it's thick darkness. So thick you can't see your hand in front of your eyes. And this is a picture of those that haven't yet received the power of the gospel to bring spiritual sight and salvation to all that respond. And immediately after Matthew 4.16, it says, And Jesus went out proclaiming the kingdom, repent and believe. He was bringing light. Now, this is an issue not just about salvation, but also a key issue in your Christian life today. You say, is seeing an issue for disciples? Yes, it is. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And here is the story. They think it's all over. They've lost their hope. And so they're going back to their own lives. Luke 24, 13. And they're walking together. And they're discussing these things. And then all of a sudden, we see that Jesus, in verse 15, comes. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. They were trying to understand what had gone. They were trying to get insight into what had happened. 
And Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. They could see him physically, but they couldn't see him spiritually. And so Jesus, you see, what was Jesus doing? He, he was coming to give them an eye checkup. I don't know about, so I can see some of you with glasses, maybe some with contacts. It's about a year ago when I first went for a proper eye check for years. My doctor said to me, have you ever, when was the last time you had an eye check? And I, I said, oh, years and years ago. I said, but I'm fine, I'm fine. He says, go and have one. So I went to Vision Express and sat down there thinking, well, I'm just obeying my doctor. And if you've had this done, do you know what happens? So I sit down and the lady says, can you read those letters? And I could read most of them, but the last two letters were, were a bit blurred, so I just had a guess. I thought, I'd, I thought, I guess, well, we've had A, so let's say T. And, um, but then this strange thing happened. She like, gave me these like, x-ray-like goggles, that's what they looked like, and put them in front of me. She said, right, I'm going to put different lenses, and I just want you to say if it's better or worse. Better or worse. And suddenly, click, click, all these different things. And all of a sudden, I'm going, uh, yeah, better, better, much better. Incredible. And I couldn't believe the clarity of sight that this woman was giving me through these lenses. You see, what can happen as our eyesight deteriorates, I was told, is that your eyes compensate for it. So I've got one stronger eye than another. And so my stronger eye compensated for the weaker eye. And this is it. As my eyesight was deteriorating, I didn't even notice. I didn't notice. I, I had deterioration in my sight, and I never knew until that woman brought me to that eye testing center. And then when I came out, it was like, it was like I got Sky Digital HD for the first time. <laughs> That's what it was like. I couldn't believe it. Well... Truth is parallel. And so Jesus came along as a representative of God's vision express to these disciples. And so he said, right, we're going to give you a spiritual sight test. And he asked them, all right, what are you talking about? And they said, haven't you heard? He said, tell me what things. And so he listened to see what they could spiritually see about the events that had happened. How did they see them and perceive them? And then Jesus says these words to them after they'd said that. Verse 25, he says, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, they couldn't see it. And Jesus, I'm going to mix metaphors a little bit here, uh, but Jesus said, the trouble is your hearts are dull. You see, when your heart is heavy and dull to spiritual things, when your heart is hardened, it affects your ability to see God and to see things as God sees them. A hard heart or a slow heart or a dull heart is another way of saying your vision is deteriorating. And so at the end of it, of course, Jesus breaks bread. And what happens? They see him spiritually. But what's their response? Did not our hearts burn? In other words, Scripture, the anointing on Scripture 
by Christ, as Christ revealed to the scriptures to them, he was giving them 20-20 sight and their dull heart was set on fire again. Soft hearts, clear spiritual sight. If you keep your heart soft to the word, soft to God, soft to one another, you will have clear insight into what God is doing. Now, we know that Paul understood this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4.18, because he said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4.18, the same chapter we looked at earlier, he says this, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then in chapter 5 of the same book, chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. He's speaking about physical and spiritual sight and which dominates and leads us. Uh, Which sight do we follow? And he says, we do not look at the things which are seen. What does he mean by that? We don't look at natural things and obey what natural things tell us to obey. Our circumstances don't make us make the decisions according to their circumstances. We don't look at our lives and our situations and our future from the natural point of view. We're not of the world. We're in the world, but we don't have the worldly view, or we shouldn't have. No, we don't look at the things which are seen. We are not dominated by circumstances. But what do we look at? Do we look at nothing? Do we just close our eyes to everything? No. We use our other sight to lead us in the right direction. We look at the things that are unseen, the promises of God. The word of God. The kingdom of God. We don't walk by physical sight. But we walk by spiritual sight. We see things as God sees them. And we see God in things. Now, I want to get a little bit more practical about this. Because you need to go to God's vision express. Or Jesus' spec savers. Don't want to... You know, I'm not, whatever. And you need to say, when was the last time you had a spiritual eye checkup? It could be you're in this place today and you're blind. Well, by the end of this service, you can see my friend for the first time. I'm talking spiritually. But it may be that there's believers in the place today, in the house today, watching on internet today. And you have experienced spiritual sight deterioration and you haven't realized that it's happened to you you haven't realized what's taking place you still think you're seeing as good as you could see you you don't end up like the pharisees who thought they had 2020 vision or paul who thought he had clear vision but was doing the exact opposite of what god was doing now how do you take your eyes your spiritual eyes how do you keep them in 2020 vision, or begin to get a clearer sight. Well, Psalm 119, 
verse 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. You see, it's the word of God that brings light into our lives. Now, I want to challenge you today. You need to have a daily Bible reading plan. You need to have a daily Bible reading plan. Why? Because it's God's word that will keep you seeing spiritually and healthily. God's word. You see, if you don't read the Bible on a regular Bible reading plan, then what what are you looking at? You're looking at the things that are seen all the time. And your heart is just reading those things. Without reading God's word on a daily basis, you're just you're seeing the news and you're reading the news. Or you're reading the media. And your spiritual gaze is simply gazing at the things that are natural, the things that are seen. And what can happen is you begin to see like everybody else. And that partial blindness gets in. It's incredible when you meet a backslidden Christian who's not yet in a state of ready to come back. They just don't see it. They're carnal in their view of things. They're worldly. And they see things in a totally different way. They, they, you talk to them about Scripture and they don't like what you show them. They don't like what they see. You see? But the Word of God every day will change. And, I mean, you can do it. I mean, here is what I use. I use the Everyday with Jesus one-year Bible. And I find this helpful. You can get it on Amazon, uh, Our bookshop has them, but you can get this. And what this does is it has every day of the year. And on that day, it gives you a portion of the Old Testament, a portion of Proverbs, a portion of Psalms, and a portion of the New Testament. And if you read it every day, throughout that year, you'll have read the Bible in a whole year. But I'm not just talking about reading the Bible as a spiritual discipline. I'm talking about the fact that if you don't read it, it, your sight is deteriorating. If you are not a regular daily reader of the Bible, I guarantee it that your sight is warped. I guarantee it. Because it's the word that brings light, sight, understanding. And so, I mean, and and it's about regular reading. I mean, you can do that. You can go online after this service and find daily Bible reading plans. And you can get a couple of bookmarks, old, new, whatever way it does it. And you read that portion every day. But when I come to read my daily portion, I'm not just reading it legalistically. I come with a soft heart. Seriously, I do. It's It's not about me reading the Bible as much as the Bible reading me. I'm bringing focal correction and sight correction to the way I see the world, the way I see my life, the way I see my family, my marriage, the way I see my finances, the way I see it brings focal, it brings insight. I come soft. When I read the Bible, I think, God, what are you going to speak to me about today? What am I going to find? And this is giving me sight. Now, it's not a legalistic thing. I mean, I've been there. I've been there. January the 1st, new Bible reading plan. 
for years. I knew Exodus and Deuteronomy like the back of my hand. Halfway through Leviticus, now I'm getting a bit wavery. Why? Because it's getting about March. And uh, I, I, I haven't done it for a few days. And then I look, because I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And I look, and I've got 50 chapters to catch up. So I'm like this, speed reading. I'm getting to a genealogy. Skip that. Don't need to read who begat who. That's not important. Skip that. That's, that's three pages. You know what I'm talking about? I'm getting nothing from the Word of God. Why? Because I've become legal. I got into my legal zone. And then what happens when legalism comes? Judgment comes. And then what happens when judgment comes? Give up. And so I give up my Bible reading. And then January the 1st, start all over again. So it's not about reading your Bible. If you can do it, brilliant. But what I do now, if I miss a couple of days for this reason or that reason, if I've got time, I'll catch up. If not, I'll just read the day allotted. Why? Because it's about regular, habitual Bible reading and meeting with God in the Word. And legalism can't stop that. I don't want to get to March again and stop. I want this to become something that God speaks to me. Man does not live by bread alone. And if I don't get God's fresh Word each morning, then I'm going to faint in life. Some of you have fainted in life because the Word's not in you. And so... If, if you miss a few days, it's not a big deal. It's about the fact that you pick it up and go again. You hear what I'm saying? It's spiritual discipline. Also, I want to say another thing about keeping sight. And these are just the ABCs, but if we apply these ABCs, we'll see change in our life. I also want to encourage you to speak in tongues on a daily basis. At least 20 minutes. All right, summer discount, 15. Because <laughs> I immediately felt this, what? 15, let's start with 15. You're not, pen don't call yourself Pentecostal if you don't speak in tongues on a daily basis. Say, so what if I miss a day? It's the same as the scriptures. You make it, your, it, it, if you miss a day, that's the exception. You know what I'm talking about? Speak in tongues on a daily basis. Don't call yourself charismatic. Don't call yourself Pentecostal if you don't speak in tongues regularly on a daily basis. Don't call yourself conservative evangelical. And if you, don't read, if you read your Bible and don't speak in tongues each day, you're conservative evangelical. If you don't read your Bible, you're liberal. <laughs> right? Let's, let's call it as it is. If you're Pentecostal, speak in other tongues. It, what was the big change that caused, caused the global Pentecostal missions to come? It was tongues. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues. You say, is tongues important? Essential. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit, the present that the Holy Spirit decided to bring on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible tells us in, and I'm not going to turn to it, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 onwards, what speaking in tongues does. Speaking in tongues, you're speaking to God. It's your prayer language and your devotional language. And it says that when you speak in tongues, you are praying mysteries. What's this mean? It means that the Spirit of God can pray through you about things you don't even know about. When I speak in tongues at the beginning of the day, I know that the Holy Spirit is praying through my day. I pray in tongues nearly every day, most days. It would be an exception if I don't speak in tongues. It's my regular daily habit. You hear what I'm saying? Regular, not legalistic. Every day with Jesus, or Bruce's is nearly every day with Jesus. 
Do you know what? Nearly every day with Jesus is enough. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you are looking at me like Moses. <laughs> you mean you miss a day? Yeah. Why don't you do a day? You hear what I'm saying? It's a flow. It's a lifestyle. It's not legalism. I'm speaking in tongues. Mysteries to God. Not only that, you're edifying yourself. You're building yourself up spiritually. Your sight is tuned acute. I'm fine. I know what it is to be a Christian who doesn't read his Bible every day and doesn't speak in tongues every day. And I know what it is to be a Christian who does speak in tongues every day and does read his Bible with an open heart. Fine. I know what it is. And the difference is like darkness and light. Darkness and light. When you speak it in tongues, you go into your day with a spiritual preparation that doesn't come in any way. You've been in the Word, and you've been in the Spirit. And you find that when you're in situations, you, redact, you react differently because it's already been touched in prayer. There's a confidence you've spoken in tongues. Whatever comes your way, there is a perceptible difference in the way that you handle things. Speaking in tongues, you say, I don't have 15 to 20 minutes to speak in tongues all day. Let me tell you something. If you speak in tongues 15 to 20 minutes on a daily basis, you will have more time in the day. When I begin to speak in tongues on a daily basis, I found that I made decisions quicker and more accurately. I found that my intuitions, although not perfect, there was a distinct increase in my intuition and my insight into what was going on. Because I'd been in the Word, and I'd been in the Spirit. I found that I could pray. Sometimes when I'm praying in tongues, in diverse tongues, different tongues would come out. I'm not talking about praying in tongues in the same old way. Shimmy, shimmy, shoe. Where's my shoe? Shimmy, shimmy, shoe. Where's my shoe? Shimmy, shimmy, shoe. Where's my shoe? Sometimes you can tell people who it is coming down the corridor, if my door's open, I can tell who's coming down the corridor if they're speaking in tongues, because it's the same old language. Because you're meant to be praying out of your spirit, not out of your mind, but your mind's clever, and your mind can counterfeit some of the words. You start speaking in tongues, and maybe it was the spirit, shimmy, shimmy, shoe, tie my shoe. But after you prayed like that for two months, your mind goes, I can do that. I can say shibby, shibby, shoe, tie my shoe. I can do that. And that's why you get people speaking in tongues, no power. Because when you go to the Word of God for your daily reading, you go with faith and a soft heart so that your sight. And when you speak in tongues, you do it like you did the first time. You go, yeah, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. That's why speaking in tongues is especially for personal devotions. Because... I, some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth, the languages, the styles, I'd be embarrassed to do on the platform. I have my platform tongues and my bedroom tongues. <laughs> well, I'm joking a little bit about that, but there is a point. And so you don't know what, how the Holy Spirit is going to speak, but you're building yourself up. Now, I have somebody that's in my cell group who's a very high finance executive. And I noticed through regular cell and meeting with him, that he was struggling. He wasn't who he usually was. And he, didn't, he seemed a bit hot and cold and seemed a bit up and down. And it just it didn't, things didn't seem to be working. And so I sat with him and said, do you mind if I ask you a question? He says, go ahead. I said, 
Are you in the word with faith and a soft heart most every day? He says, no, I'm not. I hear sermons, I might read a bit, but no. I said, do you speak in tongues for 15 to 20 minutes at least most every day? He says, no, I don't. I said, I want you to do it because it will slowly turn your life around. And he began to do that. He began to do it. And I began to check up on him out of comradeship, not being the law. Slowly but slowly, things began in himself, because that's where it matters, began to get straightened. His mind began to get straight again. Thoughts began to get, began to see things, began to hear from God now on a daily basis. Daily basis. Began to see things in the word, and the word began to see things in him. And speaking in tongues, began to raise his game. And the meetings that he was at began, as he spoke in tongues, began to have insights, perceptions, and business decisions. And instead of just keeping his head above water, you know what I'm talking about? Just keeping your head above water in life. Just, you, know, you, you can't read the Bible, you just don't have the time, you're just surviving. You can't speak in tongues because you're, you're barely above water, you're, you're drowning in life. But let me tell you something. You start speaking in tongues by faith, proper tongues, you start reading the word every day, and this is, then, then you will find yourself rising. Until you're standing on your circumstances. Man does not live by bread alone. You cannot live off nothing on a daily basis. You can't send up a few Hail Marys. Well, not Hail Marys, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Auto-correction. You can't just throw up a few. Just throw, oh God, because that's what happens. You get into a state where you're just surviving and you, you just throw up one as you go into the, oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. You're so, you're so submerged, you can barely breathe. God, help me. God, help me. No, no. And I'll tell you what, as, as we come to a close, I'm, I'm just giving you some ABCs that will drastically change your life drastically change your life, put you in a totally different... I could not survive without the disciplines of what I've spoken to you. I could not survive. And when I look back in the old days, I, I didn't survive. I wasn't surviving. I was, I was barely living from Sunday to Sunday, from Celtus, barely living like a beggar just about getting enough. Bread, to, spiritual bread to, 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 to not die. <laughs> no. As we come to, this, to the close, I want to say that there are many things that we need to see. The Church of Great Britain is in a high state of partial blindness. We need to listen to the leadership, and I'm talking about our leader, the apostolic leadership of Colin Dye in this house. Because he has been given, for the benefit of the body, a high level of spiritual sight. And could it be that our leaders sometimes see it better than we? Could it be that when we don't understand something or we don't see it, that it's, we don't automatically think, well, if I don't see it that way, therefore 
It isn't that way. But could we come to God and say, Lord, show us things. Show us things as they really are and not as we would like them to be. As I close, we do not want to end up at the end of that great miracle story of physical blindness healed, spiritual blindness healed. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who said to Jesus, are we blind also? Oh, make it your prayer with mine as we close. Lord, are we blind also? It's a terrible question if we assume that we're not. But it's a wonderful question if we assume that there must be areas, blind spots, things that we don't see. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and let us see things. Let us see ourselves as you see us with your grace, but also with your accurate judgment. May we not see ourselves higher than we are or lower than we are, but may vision express come into our eyes. And finally, in this place, on the internet, in the lower hall and over at the coronet, you say this morning, my God, I was blind, but I think I've seen today, like that man, that Jesus is the Messiah, he's Lord, he's raised from the dead. I see that now. So much more I need to see, but I see that Jesus, your Lord, and I worship you. And today, you've seen that for the first time. And you say, my eyes are opened. I want to pray the prayer of salvation. Lift your hand right where you are, and I will pray with you. Right, Lift your hand, let me see. Upstairs and about me, downstairs. You say, I was blind. But you know what? I now realize that I see. Yep, hand at the back. Upstairs in the balcony. I'm not praying for anybody who keeps their hand down. Because that would mean that you don't see sufficiently to put your hand up. Yes. And therefore, you're blind. Yes, hand over there. Upstairs. In the coronet, I'm telling you, if you see it, put your hand up. If you see it, put your hand up. You're not putting your hand up for me. I can't even see. You're putting your hand up to God and saying, I see and I own that you're my saviour. Father, we pray for all those that have lifted their hands. Yep, at the back. We say, Lord, we agree with them and witness with them as the Holy Spirit does that today truly they have seen and even greater than a physical man who's never seen receiving physical sight. Today they have received the greatest miracle on the face of planet Earth. They have received spiritual sight. They see you as you are, the resurrected son of the living God and in seeing they are saved this day in Jesus' name. Why don't you give the Lord a hand, clap, offering.